Hello, and welcome to episode 275 of Constructing Comics, a podcast building stories one page and one panel at a time. On this episode, we have an interview with Brennan Knight and Max Davenport, creator of Titan, I'm sorry, Tyrant Fall, now on Kickstarter. This is Matt, and I'm joined by Constructing Comics co-host Noah. Hey there. Brennan, thanks so much for coming back with the podcast. We're going to lead off with you, but um, can you give us a quick bio? And I guess maybe as the uh, the writer, we're going to ask you for, for the elevator pitch. Um, sure. It's great to be back, guys. Thanks for having us. Uh, about myself, I am a comic book writer based just outside of Washington, D.C., uh, I love the 4th of July because I can eat burgers and watermelon as much as I want. <laughs> um, and uh, the Fall, let's talk about Fall. It's the way I've been describing it is it's Dragon Ball Z meets Heavy Metal Magazine. Um, it's a Kung Fu fantasy epic featuring this rebel warrior, uh, Mirda, as she tries to get revenge against a superhero superhuman tyrant known as the red dragon and the red dragon when she was a uh, when mirda was a child killed uh, mirda's family uh so she's come back for revenge but you know fate and destiny are never quite so linear so it uh quickly goes awry very cool. And Max, we're super excited to have you on the, the podcast. Uh, could you give us a, a quick bio about yourself? Yeah, well, uh, first of all, I'm uh, excited to, to be here. I, I, this is my, as I, as I told you guys in the, in the lead up, this is, this is my first podcast. I've listened to many, but I've never participated in one. So this, is, this would be cool for me. Um, I am an illustrator. And our teacher, who's been telling uh, stories with images for over 10 years, I've uh, mostly worked for the various small press independent publishers. Um, but more recently, I've designed some characters and covers for uh, two of IDW's D&D series. Um, and when I'm not drawing or teaching, I'm probably playing too many video games. <laughs> so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to turn it over to Noah for, for the first question for you guys. Um, yeah, I guess I have a question about the origins of of Tyrant Fall. Where, where where did the idea come from, and sort of how did it evolve when Max came on board? Uh, as you know, as the story goes. Um, well, it was not entirely spontaneous. Uh, well, I'll start with I uh, been had been prior to working with Max had been looking at his stuff on Twitter and then I think onto his Instagram. And I think I've mentioned it on this podcast before, but like, I'm a big, for some reason, I'm a big, big sucker for like Batgirl art that people <laughs> do. And that always seems to be like, whenever I'm going through a person's portfolio, if they do like a Batgirl, a really good Batgirl, I'm like, I have to work with this person. I don't know why it just seems to always happen that way. Um, so, you know, I've been like, oh man, I would love to work with him. Uh, but he seems so, uh, reclusive, you know, does it, uh, like, how do I, yeah. So mysterious. How do I breach the subject, approach the subject with him? And then, uh, one of the platform comics competitions came up and I was like, this is a perfect time. So, you know, I reached out and I think I, when the project got announced, uh, when the competition got announced but hadn't like started yet 
uh, I think I just quickly came up with a basic premise story I wanted to do. Uh, really, it was kind of just an exercise of having, trying to have as big of a world around the story as possible with only mentioning very little of it. So like any mention of the larger world felt more impactful, even though you didn't quite see it. Um, so it was very, very much an exercise in just effective world building and inclusion. Um, but yeah, one of my first emails with Max uh, was like included a pitch for the story, like the basic beats. I was like, you know, it's about, uh, you know, these superhuman tyrants known as the dragons. Uh, they're oppressive. Uh, they stop people from using magic and the main crux of it is, you know, the, this story is the red dragon finds, uh, comes to a village seeking a rogue magic user. And I was very fortunate that Max was like, um, I'm in the, actually kind of in the middle of two projects, so I might be able to, to do this. And, you know, that's how it all started. And then, you know, as we were, you know, going through the, I don't, I won't, I only speak for my uh, side of the story, but as we were going through the process of creating the Pete, the short for the competition, um, you know, I was falling more and more in love with the idea, with the concept. Uh, I didn't quite have like, there was like a missing piece uh, where I was like, I can see kind of like where the story goes, but there's just something that feels missing, not quite a twist or, you know, it was just like a perspective of the story that I was missing. And I was, at the time, I was binge reading some old issues of Heavy Metal Magazine and of uh, the original Dragon Ball, not Dragon Ball Z, like the stuff that comes before it with younger Goku. And I was amazed at this, like, this sim these similarities where like Dragon Ball and Dragon Ball Z and all that they have this weird intersection between sci-fi and fantasy where you know at one moment Goku's fighting like mystical monks and then the next moment he's fighting like a robot with a skull face and like it was those same kind of intersections were happening in heavy metal mag uh, heavy metal stories and so I was like this is this is interesting it's like I was like I Dragon Ball would be, would have been published in heavy metal over here because it's just adult enough that it could make the cut. And I was like, that's so, and I was like, well, then that's when the question came up with like, what if Dragon Ball was published by heavy metal magazine? What would it look like? And that helped me shape the original short into what would become Tyrant Fall. That's awesome. And then Max, what was, uh, what was really attractive to you about the, the story? Uh, well, I think at first, um, the thing that really drew me in uh, more than anything, like before tone or style or even content was just uh, the, the conciseness, uh, if we want to use that word, the, the focus that Brennan had for the story. I, um, I love, I love me some good limitations, uh, because it allows me to, um, sort of play artistically in a very secure way. 
I know where my bounds are, so I know where to take it to. Um, and like I said, Brandon had a very like clear, concise vision of the story he wanted to tell. And so yeah, I very much got the sense that I'd be able to just jump right in and like start having fun. After that, um, just the, the, the common, um, the common interests of like Dragon Ball and the, 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 the sort of tonal, um, aiming at like the tonality of, of like a heavy metal type story uh, was really where I was at at the time. Mobius and all those weird Euro comics guys are like, you know, huge inspirations for me. And so um, I, I very much also saw an opportunity to like really lean into uh, drawing stuff along those lines. Um, stylistically, they, those, those, those guys always show up, but to actually like also execute that style on content that like where, where the content is also in line with some of that stuff was really exciting. Um, and like, you know, as, as I started to, to work on it and, and get into it, um, I just started to really have a lot of fun with the, the whole universe. Um, the, the potential to like, uh, you know, after, after Brennan sent me some, some quick um, world building notes, like, you know, this is the kind of thing that I, uh, this is the kind of like look that I'd like to have for this thing and that thing. Um, I, I, my, my brain was like having a lot of fun sort of um, reinterpreting that through like all these uh, Mobius and Toriyama filters and sort of really lit me up creatively. So uh, I have a question for Brennan as as a as a writer. Um, you know the, the 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 stuff that I've read from you before um, is uh, you know shorter form comic uh, telling, and then I know that you you write prose work where you can you know be more expansive. But this is a thirty page book. So how did you find sort of the the middle ground of you know some of those things that you would have wrote for the platform competition, which were you know, you know, almost like mini comics or ash cans uh, into, you know, what we would traditionally think as a, uh, a 30 page issue. It's a little larger than what we would get from a DC or Marvel, but were there any sort of um, hurdles that you found like playing in that, that middle ground of a, a longer form comic? Um, actually, uh, actually, no. So some of my earlier comics, uh, my actually first comic project was uh the series mental cases uh right. we've yeah we talked about so that yeah. was you know those were 24 page issues um you know four of them so what that comes up uh god that's 106 pages i think so mm -hmm. um it wasn't quite a challenge to work with something so large uh, and for tyrant fall the first issue actually it was a uh the problem was keeping it uh, to 30 pages um, because the fight scenes that I had in there uh, originally planned uh, were going to be like so much so much bigger so much more stuff going on and uh, as you know as I was going through for, for the fight scenes it was a lot of just like you know we'd write come up with like a new page in the script like you know page uh, 20 and then just the basic be, you know the basic panel shots no uh no dialogue or anything just like okay panel one this happens 
And it got to a point where I was like at page 30 something. And I was like, I was like halfway through the fight. And I was like, they <laughs> haven't even gotten to like this one part. I was like, Max. And some of the pages also were like stuff that uh, I've talked to Max about this. It was stuff that I'm like, man, Max is going to hate me if I ask for like this many panels and this kind of like this kind of flow of action. So I was like, okay, I have to, I have to, you know, bring it down a little bit. You know, so that's how I, you know, and I had to get it down. And uh, my original goal actually was to do a 24, 28 pages. And, you know, when it was started getting 30 plus, I was like, how am I going to make that happen? So, yeah, I had to, the challenge was bringing it down from 30 plus to, you know, the goal was 28. But then I was like, you know what? There's two extra pages. Perfect. That's fine. (laughs) That's okay. I'm happy with it. Yeah, I, I, I'm trying to think of uh, who I got the advice from. It might have been Andy Schmidt from uh, Comics Experience. It's like uh, sometimes with a, with a fight scene, it's best to sort of get in, but also get out really quickly because mm-hmm. it, it, it could drag on. So it sounds like you kind of figured that out on, on your own that like, hey, you know, I could have these guys trade punches for, you know, three to four pages, but also I can have them sort of square off, have a little bit of combat and then have the, the, the outcome of that combat or combat, you know, and, and not um, have it drag out through a couple of pages. Right. Uh, yeah, that's right. Um, even in the fight itself, there is like, there are like, there's like a little, there are little breaks. Mm-hmm. So like, you, you know, it is uh, like almost one continuous fight scene, but mm-hmm. there are peaks and valleys to it to, help with the pacing and you know it, and to to give you know the reader a bit of a break i mean non-stop action is always fun but you know sometimes it can be uh it can lose its its meaning its awesomeness just when it's everything is action uh you know everything is a, a punch kick punch kick punch you're like okay like you know where's the variety in sure. that um i did I, I had a con recently uh actually it was uh baltimore where i, I spoke to you guys um i picked up a book from a uh, uh writer artist there and it like the book is like a hundred something pages and it literally is like the first four pages are set up and then the rest of the book is just a continuous gunfight and it, it is it is awesome uh like it's like oh boy yeah look at this all this but it, it kind of loses some memorability uh you know it's not so memorable anymore awesome so noah did, did you have a question for the guys yeah i was actually happy that we kind of got onto fight scenes because i've been thinking about that a lot lately in comics um specifically about like escalation in writing fight sequences and um, I'm curious to hear both of you guys sort of how do you handle like staging fights and how much uh, how much does it involve like, you know, the and like, you know, from from Brennan, like how much does it involve the environment that it's in? And then for Max, like, how do you how do you deal then with like drawing backgrounds during fight scenes and all that kind of stuff? So, yeah, um, yeah, I'm just curious to that, like sort of how does the collaboration work when you guys are, are writing action sequences? Um, I'll, I'll, I'll go first just real quick um, so I, I kind of followed the I followed uh, Toriyama the creator of Dragon Ball like kind of his 
what seems to be his approach, you know, for fight scenes where there is an escalation where, you know, you know, a, a punch, does a punch work? No, then let's try two punches. Let's try to like escalate by like the variety of attacks that are coming. Yeah. Um, and like their seeming power. Um, but also to one of the things I wanted to do to help out Max was uh, the room that they fight in is like basically wall to floor white pure white marble (laughs) and so it is just like (laughs) like, it's just a complete like you know almost empty background with like some you know there's some like torches and stuff on the wall and like some details but for the most part you know it keeps it simple uh i would hope it keeps it simple for him to you know draw the scenes out yeah, that is. <laughs> you are you are correct. That is that is super appreciated. Um, even so, uh, generally speaking, when I handle fight scenes, the background is like completely secondary. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm generally speaking a, a stickler for not forgetting your background, but in the case of fight scenes, particularly. Uh, um, very uh, fast-paced ones. It they can really slow the the motion down, and um, it's just you know you you set it up in in your establishing shot. We have to know where you know where the thing takes place, and you you can check in every so often if if some serious uh, movement happens. But for the most part, uh, the background really just isn't that important uh, to fight scenes. Um, Otherwise, I kind of take all my cues from Brennan. He's he's uh, he's got a great sense for when to uh, go crazy with the detail and when to sort of pull back and let me sort it out. Um, and the fight scenes are very much just like you know, so far um, have been just like you know, uh, punch here, kick there, uh, you know, the, just the the bare bones of what I need to put the rest of it together myself. Um, yeah. Um, I'm I'm curious. I'm oh, sorry. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Max. I, I was just going to say it, it. You know, of course, it changes from from writer to writer. But uh, Brian and I, I feel, have a, a pretty good um, sense for what each of us is comfortable handling. That's really cool. I was thinking about this today because I was rereading um, some of Declan Shalvey's Moon Knight, and there's one issue where it's mostly a fight scene, but it seems like when how he was drawing it was more focused on poses sometimes than like actually like sewing sort of like, you know, like, you know, like there's not much like of like a lead up to like the final move. Like it's just sort of lead up to the final pose more than it is like the final blow or anything like that. So I'm interested to talk to you. Like what, what are you like when you're, when it comes to like posing characters and fight scenes, are you, are you, are you focusing on like, um, like, are you looking at like, uh, martial arts references and things like that um, to get like those poses? Um, every so often. Uh, it really doesn't happen as much as, as much as it should probably. <laughs> but um, I, I, I'm one of these people that uh, tries not to use reference in my final art. Um, I use reference all the time when I'm like practicing or doing studies, but uh, I, I feel like that the final art is a place where I, I want to uh maybe that sounds backwards it kind of sounds backwards saying it out loud now but um the final art is a 
place where I want to let like my own sort of move, sense of movement come through, yeah. I suppose. Um, one thing, th- there are a couple rules of thumb for, for fighting, drawing fighting scenes and action in general is um, one thing that's been invaluable to me when doing this kind of stuff is uh, you always want to focus in on either the moment before or the moment after the impact, mm-hmm. um, you know, for, for different reasons. Uh, usually it's the moment after um, rather than uh, rather than like the moment of impact. Uh, there's something about when you, when you see like two, um, like a fist and a face meet, uh, if when you draw that, it, it just loses all of its movement because I mean, in a way, in that specific moment, there really is no movement. It's it's the the momentum and the inertia like sorting each other out, and it's the aftermath that really sells the energy of it. Um, let's see. Uh, I don't really okay. So I don't really use reference a ton. I mean, I will. Uh, I do a lot of posing myself. Like uh, that. That's the alternative, right? Instead of like right. sitting there taking a picture or trying to find a picture, I will like literally act it out and try to get a feel for it. Um, and that, that helps in a huge way. I, I don't want to poo poo using reference too much that really, cause really the biggest reason is it just takes too long <laughs> to yeah. like, to like find the, the right pose and uh, you know, get the camera angle just right. And like, you know, I, we got ladies like flying around and like doing high kicks like some of these are really hard to find and uh like uh at least the the ocd in me would waste way too much try- time trying to find like just the right thing or yeah. act act it out just the right way so i kind of i kind of rely on like my own sense of movement and figure drawing um just my figure drawing knowledge and like understanding how the body works that's really the one of the big advantages of like you know understanding human anatomy is you can you can really make a lot of this stuff up uh, once you're comfortable enough. If you just know sort of like where muscles cannot move to and where they can. Um, yeah. Yeah, and uh, that, that's, the, I guess that would be my, my thing on movement. Um, so if I could ask- so a, much sense, yeah. Uh, like a, another follow-up question uh, related to art. Um, so you are an art teacher. Did you? Do you have a? I'm assuming you have a a long background uh, in, in in art. Maybe uh, you went to school to to study it. Yeah. So I, I graduated in 2011 um, from uh, my art school, and I really wanted to do comics once I graduated, but comics are incredibly competitive and I had some some family uh emergency stuff happening we got this I had to move back home and like the night I moved back home uh my parents house got literally flooded and that was like a whole big thing it basically took me out of the drawing game in any real professional way for a couple years um and I did like you know uh, some very various freelance gigs you know we've all heard about like the the pet portraits and the, the album covers and the tattoo designs that nobody wants to do um and then i uh <laughs> and then i um after about five years i started working at a small studio where we did a, uh, we put out a, a 50 page monthly book um and i did a lot of technical drawing which i was not 
in love with, but I was really glad that I did eventually. I mean, I left there hating that place, but, uh, <laughs> but, but I, I did pick up a lot of valuable skills. I can draw, can I, can I cuss on this? Sure. I, I can draw the shit out of a Humvee now. Uh, <laughs> my heart. Oh my God, you're a better artist than anyone out there then. Good job. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, uh, and you know, that like picking up those skills translated a lot uh, in, into a lot of other useful drawing skills. Um, and then uh, actually when that studio closed down, I was sort of desperate searching for, uh, you know, what else am I gonna do? This is like the steadiest thing I had. And uh, this art teaching job came along and surprise, surprise, it turns out I actually love teaching art. <laughs> And uh, it's a, been a wonderful way to like keep me afloat when, you know, the freelance stuff doesn't come through. Um, and yeah, so that's that brings us up to present. That's sort of my my professional drawing history. Cool. And if you don't mind me asking, are, are you teaching uh, young kids? Because I'm wondering if that is the case. Are they are they excited uh, for you know for comics and and stuff like that? Uh, it's grade six through 12. And okay. every so often I get kids that are definitely interested in comics. Um, I keep some copies of my IDW stuff around to, uh, I, well, it, it feels awkward one to like kind of show off a little bit, but I also, when I was in school taking art classes, I always hated not knowing where my art teachers were at in terms of like skill. Yeah. Cause like, you know, who are you to teach me? I've never seen you draw a thing. Um, so I, I kind of keep it around as like a way to, for them to build confidence in me. Some of them are like into it. Uh, there's actually more kids that are into D and D than comics. Um, but yeah, not, not a lot of like inherent comics interest. Uh, I did, I did have three kids, um, but 2021 was last year, I think. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I was lucky enough to secure a table at New York Comic Con last year and uh, three of my students came to see me and they're, they're like uh, dipping their toes into the comics world. But um, I wouldn't say I have any like, you know, hardcore comics fans yet. Maybe I just don't know it. <laughs> That's awesome, though. That's really great. And so like uh, and uh, this goes into sort of like your the materials you use are you're are you you're traditional right um, uh, when it comes to like the the pencil and line art. Uh, yeah, for the most part, it's it's kind of a hybrid process, but it all ends up as you know traditional analog. Um, it's how I was trained, uh, and I, I just at the end of the day, I love having like something to hold and feel. Um, but. Uh, the, the, the way the process starts is, is on, literally on the script. Brennan sent me the script. I printed it out and like on each page, I would draw these little thumbnails of you know, ideas I had. Uh, from there, I have this template that I've made for myself. It's it, like an eight and a half by 11 printout with um, everything. It's like basically what I did is I took a, a blank pre-ruled comic board scanned it in, shrunk it down and put two of them on an eight and a half by 11. And then I do all my scaled, scaled down layouts on that. Uh, again, it's a printout. Um, 
it's just my, my, my brain and my hands work better when they're in front of me and like the layouts is all about speed and energy. So I, I try to keep that um, physical. Uh, and then once I've got all my, all my uh, layouts figured out on the, on the eight and a half by 11 templates, I'll scan those in, blow them up, make any final adjustments that need to happen. Uh, you know, sometimes I need to flip something or, and, 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 by the way, those layouts, that's what I send to, to Brennan or whoever the writer is for, or whoever the client is for like approval. They give me some notes and then I, you know, act on the notes in the digital stage um, when I do my final edits to the layouts. Uh, like I said, I'll blow them up to like full size 11 by 17 on the computer and then I'll print them out on just crappy 11 by 17 printer paper. Um, and then light box them onto uh, my final board. Awesome, that's great. And and Brennan, you're all analog too, right? You just write all your scripts out by hand and send it via care, like you know, via via mail, right? Uh, yeah, carrier pigeon, typically. Carrier pigeon, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, I I for a while, like prior to working with Max, it, I did a lot of just Word doc and then email that to uh, the artist, uh, but. It, I, I've now I'm just like fully on Google Docs because it was kind of one part like convenient because I had done the Google Doc for the original short and so it was already there and so when I was going to do when we we're going to go into Tyrant Fall since the, the short serves as like the first eight pages of the book uh, you know I just continued it there and it's just so much easier for sharing yeah. and uh, you know you know, we don't, we haven't used it much, but you know, the idea that the, you know, commenting tools and stuff are there makes it easy. So, you know, in case we don't have a chance to talk on the phone or for whatever reason, you know, that option and functionality is there for, you know, Max, if he wants to, you know, if he's up at like two in the morning and he's like, oh, wait, uh, quick, you know, quick note about like this panel, it won't make sense with the panels before and after it or something. It's, it's there. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I I think Matt and I have kind of switched over to Google Docs as mm -hmm. well. And it, it's just easier that way um, across the board. Yeah. All hail, all hail Google. You know? All hail Google. Thank you, Google. We love you. Um, <laughs> do you, Brennan, do you ever like, uh, if you're having a hard time describing something or you want to set the mood and the tone for anything, do you, you know, do a Google search and sort of embed that into the, to the Google doc and say, Hey, you know, this is what I'm thinking. This is sort of the, the mood and the tone I'm going for. Um, uh, yeah. Like uh, usually like tonally, like the, the mood of a scene or something I try to be, blunt about it if if it's not clear like what kind of like uh, mood or tone i'm going for i try to just be like in the panel be like you know this is a tense scene <laughs> like <laughs> this is bad news uh but for like uh, describing like characters and whatnot um i try to give max uh enough like reference material to get like the visions i have in my head out and be like hey this is kind of along the this is what i'm kind of thinking about this is as close an approximation as i can get 
And then I, uh, I let him, you know, take that and then put his own twist on it. Um, so there'll be things that, you know, I have, I'm like, you know, uh, I was just thinking about the motorcycle. That's uh, the red dragons motorcycle from the, the short, you know, I just sent him a picture of some like ridiculously large video game esque motorcycles. And I was like, something like this. And then just <laughs> let him have at it. Yeah. That's on the, one of the preview pages, I believe. And that's a, that's a pretty cool looking bike. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I hope I hope that comes back, Brian, because I'd like to take another crack at it. <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll see. You know, uh, it's, it's funny. Uh, people, uh, let's see. The uh, I did an interview with you. Promised me comics on Monday, and uh, you know, I get that question a lot. Is like, do you have more to come? And there's so many things that I want to get to, come back to. You know, it's it's. It's crazy. So here's hoping that the the campaign goes well because you know that's that's good enough reason to do a second campaign for the next issue. You know. So um, I, I see that we have a couple of other members of the the team. We have uh, we have Roman who is the uh, the colorist, and we have Rob who are who is who's doing the letters. Um, are those guys, Brennan, you've worked with in the past or Max, are these guys that you worked in the, with in the past or did you have a call out to, to complete the team? Um, Roman was a call out okay. to complete the team. I literally was put on Twitter was like, uh, I think the hashtag was like comic, comic work for hire or something. Um, but I was like, Hey, you know, looking for a colorist for this original, sh- for this short I'm doing. Um, and I, said the i I, i'm looking for a very heavy metal inspired you know palette and you know i got a bunch of responses and uh you know a lot of a lot of people that ignored that last line they (laughs) like you know they they i'm not gonna say they they had good there was good stuff in there you know but (laughs) it was like yeah this is great but not this for this book and roman had some had several pieces where i was like this this is the style i want this is it and uh yeah it's it was so it was so uh, so good i me and max we when we got the recent color pages we were both gushing about it like he's roman is like his his i evolved in it evolved as a colorist Uh, he's gotten better somehow and I was just, we, I was like, oh my God, this is so good. Like what happened? What? Are, are, is, is this my book? It's so good. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so Roman uh, and yeah, Roman, uh, you know, he was one of the many people that, you know, put his name out there. I checked his stuff, saw it looked good. Um, it's a little funny because the colorist I kind of wanted was Max because some of his, his stuff on his Instagram and Twitter had some really cool colors to it, but he was like, uh, at the time for the competition, he was like, I don't have the time to also color it. And so I was like, hmm, well, I need to develop, let's find this person. And Roman has has done an excellent job as the colorist and I, I couldn't be happier. Um, and Rob, I'd worked with before on another project and he enjoyed working with me so much 
I, I guess, unless he's just being nice, um, <laughs> that, you know, I reached out to him and I was like, hey, I have this new thing. Do you want to work on it? And he was like, absolutely. He was just like, done. Just don't don't say another word. I'm there. So, um, yeah. So, you know, I, I'm looking at the, the Kickstarter page and I, I agree the the colors are, are, are amazing and uh, it, you guys are really you know, blown away with them. But at, uh, at any point, did Max have any input? Cause you know, he's the guy putting down the line art. Um, did he have any input in, in, in the submissions that you were seeing or was that something you handled all on your own? Um, so this was fair. This was very early in our uh, partnership. Uh, so yeah, it was very much, for at that point, uh, if Max doesn't mind me saying, it was very much like a work for hire kind of relationship at that point. Um, oh, were, how dare you? Yeah, I know. I'm a monster <laughs> giving giving you money for solid art. Um, but no, I you know, so I, I did very much take it on myself. Just you know, uh, not trying to exclude Matt uh, Max, but it was wasn't you know, in wasn't his responsibility or you know at that point uh so you know i did all the ha- i handled all the communication with roman and rob and whatnot um yeah but and, when- you know to be like totally fair like i probably wouldn't have had the time at the at the at the time to like even help with that brand seemed that very clear uh vision for what he was looking for and um you know time was a factor i think you reached out brendan with they had like we slapped that thing together in like two or three months or something. Yeah. Like, Oh man, two months. If that. <laughs> yeah. So like, you know, <laughs> stop, stop making apologies, dog. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It was, um, it was, it was I, very, very quick process. Yeah. If I had anything to do with it, it would have only slowed it down and it, it totally worked out for the best. So I'm, I'm looking at the, 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 the Kickstarter again, um, and I, I think I know, but uh, there's a page where there's an explosion behind the character. Um, and then we, you know, we have a, we have a, you know, a sound effect uh, there. Is, is that something that, uh, that Rob is, is, is adding in um, at your direction? Uh, yeah. So I, uh, I believe if the if I remember the script correctly, I don't have it up right now. But yeah, I literally you know just put in there you know SFX in parentheses explosion, <laughs> um, and then boom foosh, and then this this is how Rob presented it, and I was like amazing. This is just fantastic. And so so Max, at that point, um, you can you can you can see that. Um, and I'm looking at this panel with the boom foosh. Did you decide that, like, you know, I need to, uh, you know, I'm not giving anything away because this is on the the Kickstarter page. But the 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 character is very much centered up, which allows for sort of like an arcing um, effect, and it's it's very balanced. Like the the boom foosh, it, it's it's not exactly you know uh, even, but it, it's pretty close to even. Do do you? have to do any consideration um at that point um do you know what the sound effect is going to be are you just hoping that you're leaving enough room for it to to be placed properly um i want to say it's sort of a combination of all of the above um at the time rob and i were not in direct communication um but uh i believe we were all working from the same script and Mm -hmm. and that that 
right? Brennan, you said the same thing to everybody. Uh, yeah, there, there wasn't like a color script, a letter script, and an artist script. It was just all the same script. Yeah. So, so like I, I, you know, I had a very good, very clear sense of like what's, what sound effects, what dialogue, what letters were going where. And um, I mean, you know, that's sadly something that doesn't happen a ton with a lot of comics these days. It's something I try to always keep in mind when I'm doing my own work is like, you know, leave room for the letter. Um, and in, in that moment I, I, of drawing that boom foosh panel, I, I definitely had the understanding that however Rob was gonna do it, um, we want that sound effect to like be big and bombastic and the explosion here is like the main character in that panel. Um, so like the red dragon needs to be represented of course, but definitely like I wanted to leave it open for Rob to do his magic. And I think he knocked it out of the park. Um, I think that's one of the, one of the great things about the team we have is that there's, there's definitely seems to be like uh, everybody sort of like, I mean, we do communicate, um, but there are just moments where, because it, you know everything is remote, you just have to make decisions sometimes. And yeah. I think we all are making those decisions from the same place. And it, it leads to uh, very synergistic results like that panel. Um, and even more so now, because we've, we've gone through the, uh, you know, we, we've been through the trenches together once. Uh, it was a little bit more of a, fly by the seat of your pants situation uh, when we did those first eight, I suppose. But um, yeah, I think that, I hope that answers the question. It does. So Noah, um, I'm gonna check in on some of our standard sort of Kickstarter questions, but before we we go there, I wanna make sure that you've been able to ask all of your your art and story related questions. Uh, I've just enjoyed the the conversation listening over the last part of it. I, and I'm, I'm, I'm happy to get onto the Kickstarter stuff. Okay. So, um, you know, Brennan, I'm looking at the page and I, and I see that this is your first created, but I'm assuming you, you, you did some research and, and you sort of reverse engineered um, some Kickstarters that you thought were, um, you know, I think we all, as people who, who go to Kickstarter, we look at things to try to figure out what's working and what, what might not work. Is, is, was that your approach to designing your page? Uh, yeah, so I had several, like, I had several thoughts when I went into, uh, you know, making the Kickstarter. Um, I mean, one of the first things I actually did was I, you know, I wrote up, you know, the specs of the book, um, you know, the script and everything, uh, went through different people's Kickstarters, looked at the language they use uh, to, you know, describe not necessarily the plot or book, but like, the product, mm-hmm. uh, you know, how they describe that. Um, then I went through a bunch of just Kickstarter after Kickstarter, uh, comic book Kickstarter, just checking out like, how were they presented? Like, what is, you know, what is like the layout look like? How do they present different things? What do they include? Um, uh, and one thing that I'm still a little, you know, fairly feel very, uh, not not novice, but um, learning still is that fine line, but uh, the, the balance of tier, you know, the tier level price 
and then the stuff included mm-hmm. because I'm like, I'm a very simple, when I go on a Kickstarter, I'm a very simple like shopper. Like <laughs> there was uh what's his face? Uh, oh my God. I'm going to butcher his name. Oh my God. Uh, Saladin Ahmed, the guy who's writing um, Miles Morales right now. He did okay. a Dracula, he did a Dracula book. And it's literally you. There's two tiers: digital, physical. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, like that's like my ideal Kickstarter. I'm like, yes, I don't need anything else. Just give me the book, please. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, but I realized, like going in, I was like, well, I am lit. I'm literally one person. I, you know, I'm. I think I'm the aberration of Kickstarter. Like, I do not like. I don't function the same way others do. So a lot, a good bit of my research was writing down literally every, for each project I would check out, I would write down the tier, like how many tiers they had. And for each tier, write down the price point and the items included, and then do crude math to like kind of figure out like, you know, what the evaluation was, you know, with each edition and everything. Mm -hmm. And I you know, tried to emulate that. Like I, I tried to dance a fine line between my like Kickstarter philosophy um, and, you know, the evaluate, the valuation people give to the, the items in their reward, the rewards they give in their tiers, mm-hmm. uh, trying to, you know, lean more in the latter direction. Um, so I, I still feel like I'm learning that more, but yeah, a lot of my research was looking at tier rewards, the the valuation of them, and uh, you know, Max came in with some great ideas later. There was actually a point where I was just like, my brain was so tired from having done all the research, having done all the stuff. I was like, oh my god, I just I literally cannot think about what a Kickstarter is anymore. And then Max came in and was like, <laughs> was like, boom, I have some, I have some ideas, and he's like, bang, 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 and I was like. Oh my God. Thank you. Oh my God. So much. Oh my God. Yeah. So uh, I have a couple more questions, but I, I think one thing, just, just looking at it, like uh, one thing for me is, is, um, is uh, when I look is, is, is price point. Like if it, if it makes sense, you know, I know that like, you know, we'll, we'll all go to the printer. We'll figure out how many, you know, if we print the book, it's this much as the unit cost. So if I bump it up a little bit, uh, you know, I'm getting this, but also I don't want to bump it up too much that like, you know, that I'm not going to get a backer. So I think looking at your stuff, I, I feel like it's, it's, it's very fairly priced. Sure. Well, thank you. Thank you. Mm-hmm. That, that, that was a, uh, a decent sized stressor for me in the uh, creation of this Kickstarter. So it's, it's good to hear that. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to. I don't want to speak badly about anybody who does it. But if if I go to your Kickstarter and your your digital tier is like fifteen bucks, I'm like, oh, uh, <laughs> I, I, I'm not quite sure about that one. And I, my personally, myself, I always, you know, I I prefer, um, you know, a, a print copy of a book. Um, but if you know you know, depending on, you know, my level of interest or something like that, like just to see like a really expensive digital tier is like uh, the very first thing that's sort of like the, the, if that's the first thing I'm, 
I'm seeing as I'm scrolling down, it's already sort of got me off to, to a bad start. So I, I think that you did a great job with, with your pricing points. So thank you. Cool. And Max, have you been involved uh, with, with uh, books that have gone to Kickstarter before? Because it sounds like you were able to, to offer some advice here. Um, no, I haven't. Oh, nice. uh, I actually didn't even really start um, interacting with Kickstarter on a uh, um, from like a backer standpoint until this year. Okay. Um, I'd always been like aware of it as a thing, but I just, you know, and I, I've had friends that have, this is where I sound like an asshole, I guess a little bit, but I, I, I've had friends that have put things out every so often, but like timing and money just didn't line up uh, until, like I said, about a, about a year ago, I was like, all right, I got a little bit of yeah. bit of flex I can throw around now and um so I'm, I've been trying to sort of make up for lost time if you will um I I've, I've been on the periphery I've kind of looked in a little bit um one thing that I th thought that we could probably use was like a big like balls to the wall reward tier and um that's that's where i suggested the uh the original page thing like we got these things we might as well use them and um part of that was actually i i'd like to take full credit but part of that was um because we, we we've had some success with that tier but part of that was really uh I, a few people reaching out to me saying like you know how can i get like some original art out of this yeah. uh and so i figured you know as long as Brennan and I retained some of these pages ourselves, we might as well offer that to see if we can incentivize some, some bigger spending. And I think that, you know, when I sell, uh, when I sell pages at, uh, at conventions and stuff in person, it's anywhere from like two to 500. So we figured if we randomize the page, page selection, cause it would be very hard to like let people choose what pages they want. Mm -hmm. Um, if we randomize the page selection and we sort of think about it as like an average price, 300 is about the right, uh, the right target there, especially once you add in all of the, the previous reward tiers with prints and the physical copies and all that stuff. Sure. Yeah. And uh, it's a unique situation to, to have an artist that is going to be able to offer, you know, original art um, with, with so many folks you know by no fault of their own you know convenience or just the way that they, they learned you know a lot of the art now is being done digitally so if you're somebody that's a, that's a fan of, of of that you know you won't often see that on, on a kickstarter yeah okay so i think no one knows what question is going to come next but this is our this is our standard uh, kickstarter you're, you're you're running a kickstarter you're on the podcast uh, what type of uh, Kickstarter runner are you? Are you uh, refreshing the page every 30 seconds to see, you know, backer counts, funding counts? Or are you able to sort of take the dog for a walk, uh, do something else, come back, check in, see, see where it is? Uh, how, how do you handle the stress of, of, of the Kickstarter? Um, well, for me, I know like the first week, uh, I know uh, I knew exactly how I'd react to running a Kickstarter. So when I launched it, I immediately left my computer to go do, <laughs> to go do other things, to take care of myself, like to shower, brush my teeth, 
eat something, you know, mm-hmm. those basic necessities, <laughs> because I knew like, if I, if left to my own worst devices, I would have just been sitting in front of the computer, like hitting refresh every 30 seconds. Um, and uh, my wife, you sometimes works. We have two. Basically, she has two places through the house where she works because she's on a laptop. That day, she was sitting next to me at her desk, and she probably would have been like, "Just stop it, stop it!" I could hear the clicking every thirty seconds. Mm-hmm. Just stop! You're going to drive yourself <laughs> crazy. And I then after I did all that stuff, took care of myself. I then spent like the next several hours refreshing every minute or so. Um, so I, I do, I am a refresher. I do try to like, just stay constantly aware of how much, uh, how much, how much we're funded, how many people, how many followers we have. Uh, I look at the background, the, uh, the backstage analytics of it all, you know, a lot, you know, even though, even when the numbers haven't changed, I go and I look at the num like the, like the graphs and everything that Kickstarter provides. So, um, uh, if it, yeah, if it wasn't for the overbearing responsibility I feel for my day job and for taking care of myself, I would, you know, I'd be on the Kickstarter until my computer screen burned out, my phone died, you know, <laughs> just, yeah. So, so, so Max, um, what about you? What is, what is your uh, oh, yeah. connection to the, the, the Kickstarter and, and checking in and stuff like that? Um, very, very much the same. Um, especially because it's like my first time it's, it's like uh, the beginner's nerves or something I, I you know whatever it is Brennan had a pretty good explanation of exactly what it feels like for me uh, all I can say is thank god for my day job as well because uh, it definitely, <laughs> definitely keeps me you know distracted in a very healthy way and every second I get I am looking back at it um, yeah we actually I think it was a little bit of a roller coaster today, Brandon. I don't know if you saw that, but we we hit our uh, we had this goal of like getting a hundred backers, and we hit that this morning. And then at some point, some scoundrel backed out or something. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, we, I, we got him back. We got him back. We got him back. Yeah. I was like, oh man, when that happened, I was a little crestfallen. I was like but i was like you know what i know what it happens you know it was bound to happen um i'm not i would i I was rationalizing it as uh oh uh, somebody was going to upgrade their backer pledge but they they messed up they (laughs) yeah yeah Yeah, i was i was kind of that same camp where i was like maybe maybe we'll get it back maybe and i was just like you know it's just it's gonna be what it is we still have until friday's the goal to get 100 backers then to the 50 percent mark and we're so dangerous so i keep saying it we're so dangerously close like we just keep we're almost there so much and uh yeah so i just kept that in mind i was like okay we're doing okay we're on pace for a good kickstarter i think so <laughs> let's just just stay strong so did 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 anybody uh warn you or give you any advice that like the 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 first couple of days there there's a lot of action and then when you get into the middle there's sort of the the dead zone where it's like 
you know, it might be, you might be seeing one to two to three people a day. And you're sort of like, uh, that's the part where you, you can, you can really drive yourself crazy. Did anybody warn you about that? Uh, yes, okay. I, I, I had, I have seen it in people's Kickstarters. Uh, it makes sense just in like, it was something that when someone said it, I was like, oh, that makes like perfect sense yeah. like that that would happen because it is, uh, it's a very, a very hype thing where you like, you have that initial hype and then it dies down. And I'm hoping we get the second wave of hype at the, the end, the tail end when people are like, well, it's almost ending. We got to get on this, this hype train now. Um, but yeah, it's a very, it's a, it is a big hype based thing. Yeah. So I was very aware that that would happen. Um, so when it did happen, I was like, I was not surprised at all. I, I was totally unaware. I, I kind of knew that there was, there was this thing of like Kickstarters getting these initial um, boosts, but I didn't, I had no knowledge of like the dead zone being a thing. And I was, <laughs> I was a little bit, uh, little bit in uh trepidatious there for a minute but uh, I, I i've even i've evened out a little bit i think uh i'm in a good spot all right guys well this has been been a lot of fun um let's let's do two things as we we close out let's uh let's lead off with max first um max i think you pretty much have the the same handle on on social media but do you want to let people know where they where they can follow you yeah thank you um you are correct. It is uh, at Max Davenport, yo, on all the things. Um, I'm on TikTok. I'm on Facebook. I'm on Instagram. I'm on Twitter. Uh, I'm on ArtStation, but that's there's like nothing there yet. And then my website is maxbarlowdavenport.com. Very cool. Well, we'll link your your social media in the show notes. Uh, Brennan, where where can people uh, find you online? Um, I'm mostly on Twitter at, at Vinitas Knight, Vinitas spelled V-A-N-I-T-A-S and then Knight, like my last name. Um, it's a very, a part of me regrets being such a Kingdom Hearts fan because that's (laughs) why I made it. And I was like, when I started to use it more professionally, I was like, that's fine. Whatever. You know, people have their nerdy, you know past and everything so i'm like whatever that's 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 fine um i do have a website uh cbrennanknight.com uh, c is the letter c mm-hmm. um it is i always describe it it's in a it's functional and it's good enough to look at but it's not gonna wow anybody wowed me brennan <laughs> oh okay <laughs> thank you thank you you're too kind you're too too kind Awesome. And let's, let's do one last thing as, as we're closing up here, let's, let's do another, uh, another pitch for this book uh, on, you know, uh, plot and, you know, why it's so important to, to go and, and check it out on Kickstarter right now. Uh, all right, cool. Yeah. So, uh, you know, Tyrant, like I said, Tyrant Fall, it's Kung Fu fantasy. It's deeply inspired by Dragon Ball Z and heavy metal magazine and uh, Dungeons and Dragons was, was another big inspiration for it. Um, you know, it's about a rebel warrior seeking revenge against the superhuman tyrant who killed her family. Uh, but along the way, destiny takes its turns 
and she finds herself on a path she didn't expect. Um, and it's, it is basically like, for me, it's my love letter to, to those different inspirations, uh, to my, um, my discovery of anime through Toonami and whatnot. And the, the very, the very unique visual and auditory, uh, aesthetic and voice it had. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, it, and it's, it's also just, it's something that I've, I, you know, I, it started, I've started off as just a short to work with short story, uh, that would be an excuse to work with an artist that I wanted to work with. And it has grown into something I am very excited about. Uh, I've had, you know, the, the expanse of the plot line that I wanted, you know, tell the story that I want to tell one day. It's, it's huge. Uh, but you know, for, for better, we, you know, we decided to focus on just this first part. So I would love to get to the rest of it someday. Very cool. Well, we're going to have links to, to everybody's social media. And most importantly, we're going to have a link to the Kickstarter in the show notes of this podcast. So anybody listening, they can, you know, call up the, the show notes in their pod player, scroll down, hit that link and go directly uh, to the Kickstarter. Um, so guys, it was a lot of fun to, to catch up. Uh, hopefully uh, in the near future, we can we can get together and talk about any uh, any projects, you know, related to this or, you know, any other things that uh, you guys decide to, to work on next. Absolutely. Yeah, awesome. Thank cool. you. Thank you. All right. So um, I'm going to to give the the information for for our podcast. Um, if you give us a rating and review on the podcasting service you use, we really appreciate it. Um, I'll throw this out here, um, but you probably have to act, uh, on the day that we release this, but there will be a link to Cthulhu invades Wonderland. That's probably in its last day at the time of, of release. Um, if you want to follow the, the podcast, we're on Twitter. That's at construct Compot. Instagram is constructing comics pod and Facebook is constructing comics. Just want to thank everybody for listening. Please be safe, be nice to each other and go out there and make some comics. Thank you.